Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, January 20th, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, private school financial assistance is on the fast track, LGBTQ legislation takes a left turn in the Iowa House, and lawmakers bring the death penalty debate back from the dead. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. With me today is the full roster. We have Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon, Aaron. Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough. Hello, Caleb. Hello, Aaron. Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times is here. Hello, Sarah. Good afternoon, Aaron. We have Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Greetings, Jared. Aaron, I think I now uh, have finally shaken out the the last lingering uh, bits of snow from my uh, my boots. It's <laughs> finally all gone now. So I want to say that I feel always feel bad when those snowstorms come in, and there's definitely a, some kind of line that between just north of Des Moines and south of Sioux City and Mason City, because you yep. guys always get like two feet when we get two inches. Our lot in life. <laughs> and finally, Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Hello, Todd. Hello. Good day. Good afternoon. Uh, guten Tag. Ooh, nice. There we go. Yeah, how many more languages? So long, farewell. Okay, <laughs> okay. I won't break in the song. Yeah, we don't want to lose people before we even get started. Here, I'm no Von Trapp. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, first up this week, we thought we better talk about this first, and we better talk about it soon, uh, because if we don't talk about State House Republicans' private school financial assistance bill quickly, uh, if we wait even one more podcast, it'll probably be state law by then. Um, proving yet again that the gears of government don't always turn slowly. Republicans are on the precipice of having that bill on Governor Kim Reynolds' desk this coming week a week that just so happens to be, as Radio Iowa's Kay Henderson astutely observed recently, National School Choice Week. Didn't that work out nicely? The bill, uh, which is enormous both in the literalist but especially figurative sense, was first published January 10th, the night of Reynolds' Condition of the State Address, and it could be state law just barely more than two weeks later. Um, now, as I say that, this isn't 100%. Um, and we'll get into this, whether we're to what we're hearing about whether this is going to pass. But it sure seems like uh, they're close and on the verge of doing this. Um, um, but also, before we dive into this shameless plug here, uh, please watch the Gazette or your favorite Lee paper this weekend. Uh, Tom and I uh, have some in-depth reporting on the bill, uh, along with some Cedar Rapids specific work by our uh, colleague at the Gazette, Grace King. Uh, so a lot of good info on this bill and, and its potential impact. So watch for that. Okay, back to the Golden Dome. Uh, Caleb, this is your first time covering the legislative session full-time, so I, I felt it important to uh, uh, note that I, I hope you don't think that all bills move this fast because they very much don't. Uh, but this one certainly appears to be on the fast track, and it sounds like the third time might be the charm here, that this time House Republicans have enough votes to pass it. Uh, now, I'm uh, usually up uh, over in the attic in the Senate. You, you guys get to sit in those cherry seats on press row in the House chamber, uh, and you're talking to folks there more than I am. So what are you hearing? Is, is, is this thing going to pass, Caleb? Yeah, well, it's certainly been an interesting first couple of weeks uh, in the legislature. And, you know, if I were to if I were to be putting money on it, I would say that it's, it's probably pretty likely to pass. Um, you know, Pat Grassley, the House Speaker, has remained – 
pretty confident that he has the votes to pass um, this bill. Uh, a lot of the anti-school um, choice Republicans um, last year who were kind of helped up that legislation were voted out. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot more pressure if you're a newer member this year, which there are a lot of them, about a third of the House is new. I think there's a lot more pressure to, you know, uh, follow, go along with this legislation because you know that, um, you know, it, going against it might uh, put you uh, in, in the crosshairs, you know, as far as, um, uh, you know, Governor Kim Reynolds already uh, went against those previous Republicans. And so, you know, I think there's there's some pressure there. Um, and then also, you know, Democrats yesterday talked about bringing the fight to Iowans and, and telling Iowans to call their legislators and tell them what they think of this bill. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe signifies a little bit that they've been talking, you know, to the extent that they do talk with some of the Republicans in the caucus, that they maybe don't have the, um, haven't, you know, swayed enough Republicans to vote against it. And they, you know, want to enlist uh, public pressure in that regard. Um, and then the, I think the, another interesting, it's interesting that, that the House is moving so fast with this. And, you know, if they didn't have the votes, it's possible Grassley might want to, you know, take longer to try to convince some legislators and, you know, wrangle the votes. So, you know, um, I don't, I don't know, or I don't think it will be unanimous among Republicans. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few um, defectors, but I think that you know, more likely than not, we'll see it pass this next week. Uh, Tom, real quick before I go, go on to Todd, uh, you're you're sitting over there too. Anybody whispering anything in your ear about whether they got the votes this time? Um, no, um, I guess, uh, you know, what I've been hearing is a, a lot similar to what Kayla's been hearing and what uh, we heard from um, House Speaker Pat Grassley on, on Thursday, you know, uh, telling reporters that, um, you know, look, I, I, I wouldn't put this up for a floor vote if, um, you know, I wasn't optimistic or confident that I had the votes, um, although I, I think that that still is an, an open question. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, um, on the house floor, um, next week. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we have, uh, a, uh, the, the chambers put out debate schedules when they're planning to debate. Uh, they're required to do that when they're planning to debate, uh, any bills on the floor. And we just, uh, yes, late, late last night, I think it was, or was it this morning? Uh, whenever it was, we've, we've got that bill or that calendar and, and the house, Republicans have this bill on their calendar for Monday. Um, so it at least signals the intention. They, they don't necessarily have to do it, but it signals their intention to do that early next week. Um, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It, to, to, uh, the one, one thing I was just going to add to what Grassley said about I wouldn't put this on the floor if I didn't think I wasn't confident I had the votes. That's true 99.9999% of the times, but there is recent history Um where they thought they had the votes on something and it blew up on them on the floor. Uh, and I can't remember if this was this past session or the session before, but very recent, I think it was this past session in 2022 uh, on a bill on tort reform. And they came out of, it was, it was contested. They knew it was close. They came out of caucus, thought they had the votes for it. Uh, they started the tallying and the, the votes didn't, they didn't have the votes. It turns out. And so that it failed in a floor vote and that rarely to never happens. I can't think of another time that that has happened. We talked about this on the podcast when that happened last year. Uh, so there is precedent. It's rare, but precedent for when in a close case, they think they have the votes and you get out to the floor and, and they didn't after all. Um, Todd, 
Caleb mentioned the expedience with which uh, Republicans are working on this legislation. Um, If they have the votes like they're claiming and if they have the mandate from the election that the governor is claiming and if they're so confident that this is the right policy for Iowa schools, both private and public, then why are Republicans moving this so quickly? Well, uh, you know, the mandate aspect of this is kind of a tricky thing because Yes, they did win larger majorities, and yes, the governor was reelected, and she was a proponent of school choice. But but none, no candidate that I know of ran on a plan with this size and scope. I mean, nobody talked about you know after three years providing uh, education savings accounts, scholarships, vouchers, whatever you want to call them, providing them, making every every family in Iowa eligible, which you know. The initial estimates we got, you know, it's it's the annual cost would be over three hundred million dollars. Uh, you know, the depending on what the nonpartisan legislative, you know, fiscal folks find, uh, it, it could be more or less than that. But needless to say, it's it's a it's a much more aggressive and ambitious, you know, proposal than what the governor rolled out last year and what basically Republicans ran on, which was this idea of a of a, of a limited, you know, $5,500 scholarship, not a totally unlimited $7,600 scholarship. So she does some backfill to, to, to public schools and has promised some some other things. But needless to say, those don't add up to what, you know, potentially would, would go to private school kids. So, and they, and there's probably a sense that the expansion of the proposal makes it even less popular than the governor's proposal last year, just because, I mean, polls showed if you ask Iowans about that issue individually, you know, just that issue alone, they, they didn't like it. Now, they voted for all sorts of reasons, as we know, it were issues where, where all of the Republicans who went in and voted for Republican candidates thinking, I want school, private school scholarships, probably not. But, you know, so that's, they, they're, you know, they're getting, they're taking a lot of heat and they want to stop that. I mean, they want to make as few trips back to their home district as possible while this is still on the table because they're going to hear an earful, especially from their local, you know, if they're in rural districts, you know, their local school superintendents and school boards and, and parents are going to say, why are you even considering this? This has, this offers us nothing and may take money away and we, we, we can't lose funding because we're already running on a shoestring budget. So uh, they want to get this done quickly. They want to turn off the heat. They want to move on to other stuff uh, because this is, I mean, I think every letter to the editor we're running in the paper on Sunday is about this. And only one of them is in, is in favor of it, uh, which, you know, we tend to get more letters from more liberal left side folks than conservatives. Uh, but, you know, and I, I've got a pile of guest columns I haven't even been able to run because there's just so many of them, just people opposing this and, and making the arguments against it. So, yeah, it, it, it doesn't appear to me that this is, you know, terribly popular. And not only is it not necessarily popular in its size and scope, but also it's uh, it's it's making it's, you know, making people pretty exercised. I mean, they're they're mad about this proposal. They're not just like, well, I just don't think this is a, the right thing to do. They're like, you are going to destroy public schools. <laughs> I mean, so the rhetoric is is at a fever pitch. 
uh, and the emotions are high. And I think they just want to go through this. And as we've seen in the past, they, they're not afraid to use the bulldozer to, to put really, really big landmark legislation through quickly. It wouldn't surprise me if not only are they going to rush this to debate, they'll probably set a date certain or time certain and not let, you know, Democrats, you know, try to talk it to death. So yeah, it's, it's, it's probably going to move fast. They, they probably have the votes, although who knows? I mean, it's always possible that things like this, you know, can, can slide away from a leader. Back when I covered the legislature, there, there used to be some issues where they, they called it vote your conscience. I mean, they didn't, they didn't like whip the caucus. They didn't, they're just like, we're putting this out there. And one was the death penalty. Um, and the other was always gambling legislation because that didn't cut neatly around partisan lines and people just had to vote the way they voted. But this kind of policy usually wouldn't be like that. I, I would expect it to pass. Yeah. yeah. And also, um, also on the voting, um, the will it pass conversation, I think that another interesting point is that, um, you know, a little bit contradictory to Grassley saying, I wouldn't put it up if I didn't think we had the votes. You know, he said several times that um, we're going to put this on the floor so that Iowans can see where their representative stands. Right. And so he's indicated that he would put it up whether he has the votes or not, how, you know, how committed he is to that. I don't know, but you know, that, that, that's another, um, I guess, thing to, to think about as well. Yeah. Yep. Nope. That, that's a fair point. He has said that. But if, but if that happened, it would be, I mean, it would be pretty embarrassing. I mean, I, you know, I, I think, right. you know, that would, that would certainly be a huge victory for opponents of the bill and, um, you know, it would energize them and, but. And it hugely embarrassing for the governor, right? Yeah. If they yeah. do it that way. Another thing I would just throw out that uh, Speaker Grassley pointed out as well is that um, you have a new um, House Republican caucus. Um, you've, you've got 20, 24, right? 24 new um, new members of, of, the, of the House Republican caucus. So he used that to say, you know, look, th- this, this isn't the same, the same caucus. We've got a lot of new members, a lot of new faces, and um, a lot of those uh, freshman um, Republican lawmakers um, during the, the 2020 campaign cycle, you know, ran on this issue. Um, so, you know, the, the, the dynamics have, have, have shifted, right? Um, you know, they're, they're not the same that we saw um, last year where you, um, you know, where, 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 where things have, have, have shifted. Yeah. Uh, Todd, I, uh, I remember all the way back uh, to last year when uh, President Biden was trying to make student debt relief happen. And, you know, one of the arguments you saw from opponents was that, you know, more financially well-off folks shouldn't be getting money from the government. (laughs) Um, And I'm wondering, you know, why with this plan that doesn't seem to be a concern with some of the same people? Like, why why is this legislation not um, insulting to to working class people who already put their kids through private schools without help? Well, you know, it may turn out to be when we start finding out who is getting scholarships. I mean... I have a feeling, you know, the largest share of them are going to be people that are already sending their kids to private school. And, and, you know, a fair number of those people are, are not, you know, as I wrote in a column this week, not, not only do they have hammocks, which the, which the, uh, which the governor likes to talk about, but they've got, you know, in-ground pools and teak patio loungers. So I think as, as this moves forward and, and people start to, and, you know, and a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, for public schools, this, I mean, there's like a three-way squeeze because you've got this coming, which could potentially reduce 
will reduce the amount of money available for public schools. Uh, you've got income tax cuts still coming down the pipe, and you've got still have legislators talking about getting rid of the income tax entirely. Uh, and and then you've you've got these plans to you know potentially cut property taxes, which could force them to to lower their levy rates. So I mean, it's financially, it's it's you know th- this is kind of a worst case scenario for local public schools. I mean, they're they're looking at a kind of a three tiered attack. So, uh, and if I can add a fourth tier to that, Todd, they're also, now this isn't law yet. It's only house's proposal. The Senate hasn't pitched this yet, but the house has proposed a property tax legislation where they would pick up, they would lower that levy that you mentioned, but they would pick up essentially backfill, which I know puts local governments into the fetal position when they hear that word. Um, but they would backfill that and that's a hundred million dollars there. So uh, yeah. annually. So that, that they, they've already spent close to a half billion dollars annually if they were to pass both of these things. And as you noted, the, 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 the budget's coming down by $2 billion in a few years. Um, the, there's, some, <laughs> there's some big questions about the budget. And, and to your point, it, it, it's understandable why school officials are looking at this thing. And even beyond just immediate impact, they may be looking three, four, five years down the road and saying, where are they going to get the money uh, to, to, to send funding our way? Uh, you know, something's going to have to give um, a lot of questions, a lot of questions to be asked by the media, which may also be a reason that this thing is moving so fast. If uh, I were to be cynical, there's a lot we don't know me. and we're not going to know before they, yeah. <laughs> before they, before the government Trust us. has a big, big old signing ceremony. It's fine. Trust us. Um, Sarah, you reported last week that uh, Quad Cities area representative Gary Moore, who chairs the House's budget committee, remains one of the House Republican holdouts, still opposed to the bill. And well, wouldn't you know it, House Republicans this week passed the new chamber procedural rule that made it so they don't have to run that bill through Moore's budget committee. Once again, didn't that work out nicely? (laughs) Um, Sarah, just a kind of... I asked Caleb the ears to the ground question in in the chamber. Um, are you hearing out and among any of your legislators is has anything changed or are the people who are against it still against it and the people who are for it still for it? It's uh, what's what's the what's the tone out your way? Yeah, so our legislators are fairly quiet on this bill um, in their Imagine that. newsletters and things. Um, like Gary Moore has been talking a lot about property taxes and uh, and um, other bills in his committee. And uh, so, and I, and I, I would like to clarify too, that Gary Moore didn't say that he was a hard no on it. He just has expressed skepticism about how much it's going to cost. And if in the future it could spell trouble for, um, uh, for private schools being required maybe to meet some of the same, uh, same requirements as public schools. So, so he, he was not a hard no, but he definitely expressed much more skepticism than some other Republican lawmakers that are really gung ho about it. So, um, so yeah, so like I said, I haven't heard anything, uh, has changed and, um, and, you know, talking about bypassing the house appropriations committee, you know, looking at, there are, um, I counted up, there were, you know, there's 15 Republicans on the House Appropriations Committee. There's 16 Republicans on the Ways and Means Committee. Um, so, you know, these are, and, and there's only, you know, a few Republicans on the House Education Reform Committee. So, 
there's there's just fewer 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 people to ask questions, fewer people to try to win over in a fewer votes to try to win over, um, especially in the chamber where this proposal has had the most trouble. So, um, so, so yeah, so it, it's uh, interesting and we'll uh, see how it goes next week. It sounds like. Yeah. So, if, well, and first of all, I apologize for a, a little too strong characterization and thank you for clarifying and catch me on that. So let me ask you, and I, we won't hold you to this, uh, uh, but just what's your gut tell you? What, what is, Gary Moore's vote on this. And, and I, I just ask you, cause I find it interesting because maybe he's, maybe he's one of these few remaining persuadables that they're trying to figure out whether they got enough votes on this or not. Maybe he's in that space. What's, what's your gut tell you based on what you hear from him, Sarah? I don't know. I think he, yeah. I think he maybe could be persuaded, but it, I think it would be, I, I think if, if there's prob if there's enough Republican support um, for it, like, you know, that he would have room to vote no. I think that I think that he could probably vote his conscience. But um, but yeah, I think he he really talked a lot about he was troubled by the future of perhaps a private schools that would in a few in a future legislature would be required to um, you know, maybe take out religion from schools or yeah. or um re- be required to take uh to take, you know, every kid. So as a condition of the state funding. So he seemed really concerned about that um, in addition to the cost. But so I, so I don't know. We'll see for sure. Yeah. Okay. And that's a I'm glad you raised that point. Cause that's um, something we haven't talked about a lot in this is that there are some opponents from that side of it too, that it, that they worry uh, uh, Republicans um, not that they're opposed to the premise of uh, the, ESAs, vouchers, whatever you want to call them, but more that um, they don't want um, private schools to have to adhere to the same regulations as public schools, uh, which is one of the big criticisms that opponents of the bill say is we're we're sending taxpayer money to these schools and they're not beholden to the same regulations and expectations of public schools. So that's interesting that there, I I have heard that before. Uh, I can't name a name off the top of my head, but uh, there are others who have that same concern as Gary Moore. Um, Man, just fascinating. Before we move on, anybody else have anything to say about this uh, before we all put it away and go back up to the Capitol on Monday and find out if they're going to pass this thing or not? I uh, I imagine Gary Moore is going to be walking around with like a Groucho Marx type uh, glasses <laughs> on just so no one uh, recognizes him. So he doesn't have to take any uh, questions if he doesn't want to just until this <laughs> passes. <laughs> Gary Moore, I never heard of him. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, my name's Barry Store. I'm yes. new around here. <laughs> oh, well, see you later. <laughs> no, it's and, – and first of all, let me point out, in case Representative Moore or any of his friends are listening, he is an avatar for a, what is a group of House Republicans here. Uh, he's certainly not the only one in this boat, and that's why we don't know. That's, that's why we're still sitting here saying we think it's going to pass, but it's not 100% sure and why it's going to be so fascinating on Monday and why uh, Tom, Caleb, and I should probably plan to eat dinner at the Capitol Monday night and, and maybe even Tuesday morning's breakfast. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, it, it, could get, it could get really interesting. All right, moving on. Because not quite everything that it happens up at the Iowa legislature is about private school funding. I mean, mostly right now, but not everything. 
Um, House Republicans advanced another bill dealing with LGBTQ issues, but in an M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist, I pronounced that wrong, didn't I? Close enough. You know who I'm talking about. Unlike the previous bills, this one has the support of LGBTQ advocates. Tom, Tom, you reported this story for us. Uh, tell us what this new bill does and why it stands in interesting contrast to other bills that House Republicans introduced earlier this year. Yeah, so Iowa House lawmakers for a third time moved forward legislation that would prevent a defendant from using a victim's sexual orientation or gender identity as a mitigating factor if charged with a violent crime or assault. So the legal strategy asks a jury to find that a victim's sexual orientation or gender identity expression is to blame for defendant's violent reaction, including uh, murder. The so-called gay panic defense has been used successfully in other states, uh, according to Keenan Crow from uh, One Iowa. So perpetrators who use the legal strategy claim a defense of diminished capacity. They argue that learning another person's sexual orientation or gender identity in a nonviolent sexual advance or come on from a LGBTQ uh, person led to a loss of self-control and the subsequent assault. Uh, Damian Thompson, uh, Director of Public Policy and Communication for Iowa Safe Schools, cited the 2016 killing of uh, Kadari Johnson, a gender-fluid Burlington teenager who was shot twice, his head covered by a plastic bag and another shoved down his throat. Um, uh, Johnson's body was doused with uh, bleach uh, by a man who uh, intended to have sex with a 16-year-old who often presented as female and uh, was dressed in uh, women's clothing on, on the night of his death. And so um, Thompson argued that the, the, the fact that this panic defense is even legal uh, in the code is a, a, a bit of an insult to um, the LGBT community here in Iowa, and that uh, it dishonors the memory of students like uh, Kadari Johnson. Um, so the legislation was approved unanimously by the House in 2020, but the legislature suspended its session a week later because of the coronavirus pandemic. Lawmakers again uh, unanimous, unanimously approved the bill in 2021, but it was never taken up by the Senate. Um, Representative Bobby Kaufman um, of Wilton, uh, who's again managing the bill, um, expects that it'll again pass the House unanimously um, and said he's found quite a bit of support for the bill in the Senate and is optimistic that it will be signed into law later this year. But as you mentioned, Aaron, uh, the move comes at the same time that Republicans are pushing forward legislation that would prohibit teaching about gender identity and sexual orientation in certain grades and would prohibit schools from taking steps from affirming or recognizing a student's preferred gender identity in school without uh, written consent from their parents. So, you know, that bill that Republicans um, have, have introduced and are pushing forward closely mirrors Florida's controversial parental rights and education law, which critics have dubbed the don't say gay law. Um, it also prohibits classroom instruction on sexual orientation and, and gender identity for students in uh, kindergarten through third grade. Uh, supporters say it reinforces parents' fundamental rights to make decisions regarding uh, the upbringing of their children. 
opponents argue the measure undermines LGBTQ support in schools and that parental notification requirements could effectively require teachers to out LGBTQ students grappling with their personal identity to potentially unsupportive um, or abusive family members but before a student's ready. Yeah, it's just such an interesting um, contrast. And I don't know if, if uh, any House Republicans spoke to that directly. Like, did they say why they did any of them say why um, they think this bill is important um, to 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 provide some protections for the LGBTQ community? while at the same time kind of ignoring the concerns of that community on those other bills. Did they, did anybody directly address that kind of apparent kind of conflict of perspectives there? Yeah. So um, Kaufman was asked about that and his response was that, um, that the use of, of, of of the so-called gay panic defense is just, you know, preposterous and, and heinous, you know, on its fate, um, it doesn't pass the the common sense test, uh, according to him, and and shouldn't be a defense for anybody. Um, but then went on to say that that bill um, and um, the 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 other bill that closely mirrors the so-called you know, don't say gay bill, um, that those two bills couldn't possibly be more um, diametrically different and that um, he's dealing with each bill in a vacuum mm-hmm. and that the, the the bill banning the gay panic defense is just, you know, simply the, the, the right thing to do. Um, you know, again, it's just a, a ridiculous legal argument um, on its on its face, um, whereas, um, you know, with the um, the you know, the bill critics have, have dubbed the don't say gay bill, you know, Republican supporters of that, you know, again, claim that, you know, this is about um, parental rights. Parents, right. Um, yeah. right, right. This is this is about um, parents and, and, and um, you know, allowing parents, you know, again, the fundamental right to make decisions about their their child's upbringing um, and, you know, they should be the ones to, to decide, you know, kind of how and when issues of um, gender identity and sexual orientation are, are discussed mm. with their child. All right. One more non-vouchers uh, legislative topic we go before we go here um, this week at the Capitol. The death penalty debate was resurrected as a Senate Republican bill would create a penalty of death for anyone convicted of first degree murder and kidnapping and sexual abuse of a minor. Um, The bill was filed by Senator Brad Zahn, a Republican from Urbandale who chairs the Senate's Judiciary Committee, and he's been supportive of similar legislation in the past. Um, For clarification and history noting sake here, uh, capital punishment has been prohibited in Iowa since 1965, and legislation that would reinstate the death penalty has not reached the legislative stage of floor debate since 1995. Uh, quick hat tip here to uh, reporting by the Iowa Capitol Dispatch, uh, where I they saved me the legwork of looking that up, but for myself. Um, Jared, a, a state senator from Northwest Iowa, joins on in supporting this legislation. Senator Jason Schultz from Schleswig. Um, do you know, are there any others in your neck of the woods? How, how much of a push? We've heard this debate in the past. Is there going to be a little stronger push for that 
this year, I think that's one of the things that Brad Zahn said is we've got new group. We've got more Republicans. Maybe we have support for it this time. Are, are you hearing that up there? Yeah, that was the that was part of what uh, Zahn said, um, that, um, you know, new year, new judiciary committee, uh, committee new legislature, new members. Um, and because of that, he does seem to think um, that the bill would have a better chance of passing. And, and one of the folks that's on that uh, committee with him is um, Jason Schultz. Um, I would be curious to see how debates for this would shake out because this isn't an issue that cleaves completely along party lines. Like um, younger Republicans are less likely to favor the death penalty, according to Pew Research. And also, you know, the Catholic Church has a stated opposition um, to the death penalty, which would be something to consider because about 37% of Catholics lean Republican. Um, so if it got to a debate stage, I think that would be a, a fascinating thing to see um, play out. And um, one issue, you know, that opponents to this have raised repeatedly um, is that the justice system is flawed. And since just the 70s, there have been nearly 200 cases where there have been former death row inmates who ended up being exonerated on every charge. Um, and you know, there's a notable uh, racial issue as well that opponents point out, which is that 43% of uh, people of color account for all the executions that happen in America, um, which they would say is an extension of the fact that people of color are incarcerated way more than uh, white people are. Um, so there's a lot for opponents um, who come from a lot of backgrounds on this uh, to cite when they're uh, when they're talking about this one. Yeah, and, and to be fair, so what the... Um, the supporters of this argue, and I, I didn't include this in my setup, is that um, because – and someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think I remember this right from, from reading the story. Um, because it's already a, a life sentence uh, for kidnapping and sexually abusing a minor, there's essentially nothing legally to add on to that to make it more severe – in the case of first degree murder, or maybe I have that backwards. Maybe it's the other way around, but basically what they're saying is once you've committed one crime, you're already facing the, the max penalty. There's nothing to deter them from doing the other crime. And so that's why adding the death penalty would make this more yeah, that, judicially that was, punishing. That, that was one of the things that uh, came up in the reporting that the Capitol dispatch had was, um, yeah. Uh, Julian Garrett from uh, Indianola basically saying that there's a, uh, in his words, a perverse incentive uh, to kill the victim so that there wouldn't be a witness. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's, yeah. And, and you're right. It'd be interesting. Of course, the other part of that equation you talk about, it would be interesting if it got to a floor debate, part of the, that equation is leadership wanting or allowing that to happen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, boy, he'd have to uh, uh, Jack Whitfer and or Pat Grassley, I would imagine would need a really strong push from their caucuses uh, before that would ever happen. Cause it's just kind of one of those issues that uh, obviously there's strong, strong feelings and make people uncomfortable and you have to have uncomfortable conversations and debates. And um, uh, it's hard to see that getting to the floor. Like I said, unless there's just a really, really strong push from the caucus. And that is why it is interesting and worth noting uh, that it's, it's, you know, it's not just that it's being discussed again, but it's being discussed with maybe there's new members and maybe there's more people. So it's, uh, it's uh, that would like to see this happen. So certainly something worth watching and we will watch that and so much more in uh, man. Come back next week. Cause uh, I'm sure we'll have quite an update on the uh, private school funding bill and, uh, uh, 
at the very least, it looks like we're going to get some floor debate. And depending on how it goes, we'll either have a story about uh, just a spectacular uh, failure for a third straight year, or we'll maybe talking about uh, how the governor has already signed it into law uh, to celebrate the end of school choice week. Uh, but either way, we'll be here uh, for another edition. But that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If you enjoyed it, and we hope you did, tell your friends, subscribe to us on streaming audio services like iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team and corrections from when I F up, which that's what uh, this morning's newsletter was all about. You can subscribe to that On Iowa Politics newsletter at our website, thegazette.com. Lastly, don't forget the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. William Elliott Whitmore will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, send us a sound file. For everybody here, Tom, Caleb, Sarah, Jared, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thank you all for listening. That horrible white dynamite that makes my mind go blank. Forget my troubles, forget my pain. I've got you to thank. It's clear like water, but don't be fooled. It bites like a shark and kicks like a mule. Have you dancing in the gravel without no shoes? Yodeling the corn liquor blue. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.